Um, lovely to see you on this second of our two Vision Sundays. If you don't know me, my name's Jago. Uh, I'm the rector here. Uh, it's lovely to see you. Let's pray, shall we, uh, before we go any further. Let's pray. Uh, King Jesus, please, would you work amongst us now by the power of your spirit and as we look at your word in the book of Jonah. And we pray uh, that you be at work in us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to uh, speak faithfully and to speak fearlessly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week, um, we looked at, in essence, the first three out of the four chapters that make up the book of Jonah. And uh, what we saw was that Jonah, after running away from God, taking a, a ship in completely the opposite direction to where he was told to take it, uh, Jonah ends up in the belly of a fish. And in the belly of the fish, uh, what we discover is Jonah is softened by God's storms, he's stirred by God's grace, and he is shaped by God's direction. So much so that when he is um, spat out by the fish at the end of chapter 2 of Jonah, this time he heads in exactly the direction that God wants him to head. So rather than running away, he heads to Nineveh. He heads to Nineveh to preach to the people of Nineveh a message of repentance, encouraging them to repent and turn to the Lord. Now this was Nineveh. Okay? Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. The Assyrians were the greatest superpower of the day. They were the arch enemies of the people of Israel. So to be a bit like, you know, a, a Jewish person having to go into the center of Berlin in the middle of World War II and preach to the Nazis to repent and turn to the Lord. You know, wonder Jonah was scared and originally had gone in the opposite direction. It was likely this mission would end in Jonah's death. And yet what happens? It is astonishing, it is staggering, it is far more miraculous even than God sending a giant fish to swallow Jonah, because what happens is we see the greatest revival in the history of the human race, because we are told that every single person in Nineveh, all 120,000 of them, from the king on down, every single one of them repents and turns to the Lord. So what you'd expect, as you get to the end of chapter 3, you would expect the book of Jonah would finish on this sort of glorious high note. You know, here we have the greatest revival on the planet ever, and it's happened through Jonah's ministry. You'd expect Jonah being there going, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done through my ministry. But that's not what happened. Instead, you get something so shocking so inexplicable that um, Tim Keller, the American pastor, he writes this. He says, of all the books of the Bible, Jonah has the most unexpected and overlooked final chapter. You know, does a concert pianist, uh, you know, if they get a standing ovation, everyone stands up for them in the Albert Hall, do they get angry? No. You know, if some sort of minor celebrity on Strictly Come Dancing gets the judging panel to put up 10, 10, 10, 10, do they get angry? No. Do you get angry if you're promoted at work or you're praised or, or a friend of yours becomes a Christian? Do you get angry? No. And yet what we discover in a moment is that Jonah gets angry. Why? After all that's happened, this greatest revival in the history of the world, and Jonah gets angry. Why? 
Now, Joyce is going to come and read chapter 4. And uh, as she does, you might like to be thinking, what is it? Why on earth is Jonah angry after all that's happened? Uh, on the screen is going to come a QR code. If you want to get uh, your Bible passage on your phone, uh, you can get your phone out, put it to camera mode. You will get the Bible passage. You'll also get notes if you want to take notes for the sermon or if you uh, prefer radical um, paper version. Uh, there are Bibles on the end of the row. Uh, pass your Bibles down to page 929. Page 929. And uh, Joyce is going to come and read for us Jonah chapter 4. So Jonah chapter 4, here we go. Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, you sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Amen. Fantastic, Joyce. Thank you so much. So what is going on with Jonah, okay? Why is Jonah being a moaner and a groaner? What is going on with him? Well, first of all, first thing, he should be marveling at God's vision, but instead we find him moaning at God's vision. You know, revival's broken out. The Ninevites have turned to the Lord. God has relented from acting in judgment. And what happens? Verse 1 again. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry, and he prayed to the Lord. He said, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried, what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. So his argument, it's plain and simple, isn't it? He doesn't like God's vision for Nineveh. He thinks God should never, ever have had mercy on those dreadful people of Nineveh. I mean, just look at verse 5. In verse 5, we discover he's not just a moaner, 
but he's also a loner. He's gone out of the city by himself. He wasn't going to do any further preaching to these Ninevites with their newfound faith. He removes himself from them, and he is praying that God might actually still act in judgment. Even after all that's happened, look at what it says. It says he waited to see what would happen to the city. He is wanting God still to destroy the city. And what does God do in response? Well, he doesn't provide a storm and a fish this time to challenge Jonah's thinking. This time he provides, as you heard, a plant. He provides a plant to give Jonah shade, and then a worm to chew up the plant, and then the wind and sun to make life just a little uncomfortable for Jonah. And Jonah is angry. Jonah is moaning three times in that chapter. He says he wants to die. And what does God say? Verse 10. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. God's basically saying, Jonah, Jonah, your vision is for a plant. Your vision is for a plant, but my vision is for people. My vision is for people. My vision is for all people, including people, Jonah, that you think are just below the pale. But Jonah's just moaning. He's moaning that God's vision is focused on people. And then the second thing, Jonah is groaning at God's grace. Rather than being grateful for God's grace, he is groaning. Now, Jonah, he certainly understood something of God's grace when he was in the belly of the fish. We saw that last week, but perhaps the clue that he hasn't totally understood God's grace is what he prayed when he was in the fish. It's just going to come up again. Do you remember from chapter 2? This is what he prayed to God. He said, he said to God, those who cling to worthless idols, you know, like these Ninevites, they turn away from God's love for them. But I, says Jonah, I, who am not like these awful Ninevites, I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will make good, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now, Jonah's right, isn't he? Salvation does come from the Lord. That is grace. But Jonah sure does talk about himself an awful lot, doesn't he? I will do this. I have done this. Aren't I so great spiritually? And so... That is why when God shows mercy to these people of, Jonah, of Nineveh, Jonah feels that it isn't right, that God's grace, that it has to be deserved. And these, these Ninevites, they're so awful, they don't deserve it, whereas he, Jonah, did. Just look at how Jonah describes God in our reading. This is chapter 4, verse 2. He says, I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, you're slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. But what Jonah did not know clearly, and what we do know clearly, is that God has sent calamity. God has sent calamity because he has to be just. God has to be just, doesn't he? I mean, think of Sir David Amos' brutal stabbing on Friday. You know, God, does God just go, well, no, it doesn't really matter? Of course not. For God to be God, God has to be just. Uh, sin has to be punished and dealt with. And God has sent calamity. He has sent calamity to punish sin. But he has sent that calamity on himself at the cross. That children's mnemonic, grace, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at 
Christ's expense. That is what grace is. You see, each one of us here this morning, whatever our idols are, whatever the things are that we worship, whatever the ways are that we like to think that we are superior to other people, whatever evil we commit, the only way for you and I to be free from them is by grasping the wonder of God's grace for us. See, whether you are more like Jonah in the first half of the story, you're running away from God, you're running in the opposite direction, you are rebelling against God, whether you're more like that, or whether you're more like Jonah in the second half of the story, and you're just thinking, I'm spiritually superior to other people, I'm better than them. The truth is, for all of us, every single one of us, on our own, we are lost, we're flawed, we're spiritually bankrupt, we're deserving of God's right judgment for our sin. He should send calamity on all of us. On our own, we do not know our right hand from our left hand spiritually like the Ninevites. And yet, when we turn to Christ, in Christ, we are utterly, completely, totally accepted and loved by the one true God. And in Christ, he gives us all his riches. We get all God's riches at Christ's expense because Christ took the punishment for sin in our place. And that is why you and I, that is why we can be and we should be grateful for God's grace, not groaning about it. Now, on Vision Sunday, so what? Uh, last week, you, you'll remember, if you were here, um, and Jamie just showed it up earlier, we uh, encouraged us all to go to visionsunday.org, and uh, there were those four actions there of serve, pray, grow, and give. And, and those four actions were something about what does it look like practically for you and I to be part of HTC. I talked, if you were here last week, you remember, I talked about HMS HTC. We're like a ship, um, and what does it look like being a crew member, not a passenger of the ship that is this church? And I said it was everyone serve, everyone pray, everyone grow, everyone give. And, and last Sunday, we really focused on the first three of those. And this Sunday, I want to focus more on the last one, give. And here's my hope. My hope is that as we give financially to the church, if we do, that we might not be moaning and groaning about it like Jonah was moaning and groaning in chapter four, but rather that our motive to give will come from marveling at God's vision and come from being grateful for God's grace, two things that Jonah failed to do. So first of all, I pray we marvel at God's vision. You see, God has not changed, has he? He hasn't changed since the time of Jonah. God is concerned for that great city of Nineveh, as he calls it, He's concerned for the great city of Nineveh because of all the people in it. And today, God is concerned for this great city of London because of all the people in it. And just as with Jonah's message to Nineveh, so here in London, it is the same message. It is a message encouraging people to repent and turn to the Lord. But it is also a message of justice to the vulnerable, the victims, the marginalized, just as it was with Jonah. And I want to say just a few things about where we believe God is, is directing our vision as a church in this great city of London over this coming year. Let me say three things. First, first, as a church, we want to be a reaching out church. 
So what we've done is we've put extra money into our budget for next year to expand our outreach as a church. We saw such a growing need, didn't we? During the last year, during the pandemic, most of all through the food bank. And we want that outreach to continue to grow as a church. So we've already been linking with Care for Calais to grow our ministry to refugees. We've been linking with other organizations to grow our prison ministry. Uh, in November next month, we're linking with various ch Christian organizations in terms of kick-starting our ministry tackling modern-day slavery. Uh, there's a domestic violence survival group that is starting up after half-term with five or six women. Next year, we're putting in money to link with the organization Kids Matter for parenting courses, particularly for those family setups that are struggling and vulnerable. We're also looking to grow our crisis pregnancy work. And what's so important with all of those outreach initiatives I just mentioned there is that as with the message to Nineveh, there's both evangelism and social action. There's both word and deed going hand in hand. Now, perhaps the best example of that at the moment is our breakfast club, which is sort of the, the restyled version of what was the food bank. We've got 80 or so people coming each Tuesday morning uh, here uh, with real practical and emotional needs. There's hunger needs, homelessness, money management, loneliness, and the guests are able to meet uh, with HTC volunteers, including many of you, uh, and also trained advisors from the Rhodes Homeless Charity. But you know, alongside all that, what's happening on Tuesday mornings at the breakfast club is that about 20 of the guests, so a quarter of all the guests that are coming, they're currently doing Alpha at the Breakfast Club. They are investigating the claims of Jesus Christ for themselves, and they are loving doing that course. Please pray for them. We are a reaching out church. Second, we are a resourcing church. Now, people, you'll have heard me say about this before, that, that we have a mandate, we're given a mandate by the diocese to be a blessing outside of our local parish boundaries, particularly through planting churches and renewing churches. Most of you will know that we've been helping uh, renew a small church, All Saints Clapham Park, since 2018. Uh, Chris Denamont is the parish missioner there now. And then you'll know, uh, many of you, that we planted a church into Vauxhall in 2019, St. Peter's Vauxhall, uh, sending a team of 25, 25 or so people with Michael and Emma John back in 2019, just before the pandemic. Well, I'm excited to announce today that we are going to begin helping renew another small local church, St. Paul's Brixton. And we're going to be helping begin there in a few months' time with a similar setup. Uh, to how it is at All Saints Clapham Park with someone going to be the parish missioner there. And then also what we're planning to do is our next actual church plant, sending a whole group of people to another location, hopefully towards the end of next year. And both of those ventures, the church renewal to St. Paul's Brixton and the church pl plant, they obviously will involve financial outlay. And it's all those things... Uh, along with an increase in staffing costs that leads to what I said last week, that while our current congregational giving is estimated for this year to be around £860,000, and thank you so much uh, to so many of you who've given sacrificially to, to make up that amount, uh, we're saying to meet our needs, to implement our vision for, this, for 2022, that the giving needs to increase next year by an additional £85,000 on this year's giving. So that, that is basically a 10% increase. And we pray that that might be possible by us all upping our giving a bit, if we are already giving, 
And for quite a few of us who are new to the church, there are lots of new people to the church, which is so exciting. Here's a picture coming up of our first fruits course uh, just last Thursday night for those new to the church. It was such a great evening. Look at all those new people. For those new to the church, if you're new to the church, and if you haven't yet, and you consider this church now your church, uh, I'd encourage you uh, to set up your giving to the church today. So we're reaching out church. Uh, we're a resourcing church. But it's also worth saying that in addition to this general church financial need, we also want to be a revitalized 250 church. Now, uh, we want our revitalized 250 4.8 million project, which is the expansion and reordering of this church building to happen. I'm not going to say much about it now. Many of you will know loads about it already. If you don't, please just do go to our website. You'll see all the information there. There's lots of information there. There's also an interactive station at the back over there that you can have a look at. But just an update on that, just so you know what's going on. There are two things that we need at this stage, uh, planning permissions and finances, two very important things. Uh, on the planning permissions, Whilst we haven't got them all yet, uh, the Lambeth planning permission is in the final stages. So this is the, the, the planning permission from Lambeth Council. Uh, it's looking positive, and we've been told by them we should get uh, that in early November, so just in a few weeks' time. But the great news is that whilst uh, we haven't got all the planning permissions, the DAC, I don't even know what DAC stands for, but it's the, the Church of England equivalent of the planning permission group, okay? Um, they have, after so many meetings, you would not believe quite how many meetings, there have been meetings coming out of your ears, but after so many meetings, they have finally agreed earlier this week to formally support and recommend that the revitalized 250 plans are approved. And that is a huge, huge thing. Uh, so it is not in the bag yet. Uh, we haven't got all the approvals yet, but it is getting closer, and we thank God for that. So that's the planning permissions. Finance-wise, it's a 4.8 million project, as I said. Uh, we've got a little pyramid coming up there of how many um, people would need to give at each level of the pyramid to hit 4.8 million pounds from around the 450 givers in the church. Uh, we currently have 1.4 million contributed. And that is from 187 people who were given to Revitalize 250. And you can see uh, on the next slide, uh, you can see how that spread works out from 63 people giving around 100 pounds uh, to one giver giving uh, around 250,000 pounds over a four-year period. So here's our prayer. Here's our prayer. If within our church family, if we can get that 1.4 million pounds up to two million pounds soon, we then reckon that with the Lord's help, with people's help, that there are wealthy individuals who aren't part of this church, but have already expressed an interest, particularly with this being Wilberforce's church, that they may well be willing to contribute uh, between them uh, another two million pounds. And then the last 800,000 pounds should come from various grants that we're applying for. Now, why are we doing Revitalize 250? It's worth saying this. It is not some vanity project. It is essential to supporting the vision. As my boss, the archdeacon, said to me earlier this week, he said, the thing is that we can all see that what you're proposing to do to the building is essential for the vision of the church. It's not just optional, but it is fundamentally necessary, he said, and he is right. Um, so, thinking about the vision, I pray each one of us, that we might be marveling at God's vision through HDC for this great city. This is a vision of which each one of us is a part. 
HTC, we exist for the people of this city. We're not just some sort of cozy club amongst ourselves. We exist for the people of this city. And we long for just as in Nineveh, we long for there being a revival as people turn to Jesus. So why give? Why give? First, because we marvel at God's vision. But actually, you know, there's a second, even more fundamental reason as why to give. Here's the second thing that Jonah got wrong. We give because we are grateful for God's grace. Uh, In the New Testament, uh, the sort of classic passage that is all about the motive for giving financially generously is what Paul writes about the Christians in Macedonia giving to the Christians in Jerusalem who were in need. And it's, it's in 2 Corinthians verse 8. It's up there on the screen. Don't need to read it all. But all I want you to see is just look at the word that keeps getting repeated as Paul is talking about giving generously. The word that comes five times in nine verses is the word grace. Grace is what it's all about. Grace is the motive for giving. Verse 9 says it most memorably, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. All Christian giving begins with the grace of God, with the realization that our God is a giving, loving, self-sacrificing, generous God. If God has done all that for me, then of course I want to generously give in response to that. You see, first of all, God wants us to give, not our money. First of all, God wants us to give ourselves. In, in verse 5 of that passage, it says of the Macedonians, they, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And so HTC, our giving, our giving is not just an act of charity. As you give, it's not just because you marvel at the vision as important as that is, but as you give, it is an act of worship. Our giving is part of us first, giving ourselves to God. It is our response to who God is. And all that God has given us, our giving is our grateful response to the awesome grace of God. Would you like to stand? And we're going to respond, first of all, in worship of that God. The band are going to come up. We're going to stand. And I'm going to pray. And then we're going to respond in song. Let me pray. Lord God, we stand here and we say thank you. We say thank you to you for your grace. We say thank you that you love us and it is totally undeserved. We thank you that you are a generous God, that you're a loving God, that you are a self-sacrificing God. And Lord God, as we stand here, we want to say, first of all, we give ourselves to you. Just in the the quietness, just before we sing, just take a moment to give yourself again to the Lord. To say, Lord, I offer you myself, my whole life, in response to all that you have first given me. And for some of us, maybe there's been moaning, there's been groaning like Jonah. 
then we can just come to the Lord and say, sorry. To turn afresh to him. To come in gratitude before him. In response to all that he has first given us. Lord God, we praise you for your grace. In Jesus' name. Now, if you thought that was the end of the sermon, uh, it's not quite. A bit like last week, I'm doing things slightly differently to normal, and there's just a few more things that I would um, love uh, to say. And I, I want to make it space in a moment uh, for us to respond now and set up our giving to the church, if we'd like to, uh, for those who are part of the church. If you're a visitor here this morning, um, it is so great to have you here. Um, Thank you for bearing with us as we do that. If you want to give something one-off, that is wonderful. There's no need to. Um, but thank you for your patience as we talk uh, today about giving. We don't talk about giving very much here at HTC. We probably don't talk about it enough. When you look at how much Jesus talks about giving, um, he talks about it loads. Um, but we are talking about giving unashamedly today. But before I go any further, what I wanted to do uh, was I wanted just to summarize those two encouragements that I've just been speaking of. The encouragement to marvel at God's vision uh, and the encouragement to be grateful for God's grace. Uh, and the way I wanted to, to, to summarize the uh, marveling at God's vision was to share with you a prophetic word that somebody emailed me a few weeks ago. Not a member of the church, uh, but someone who was visiting to one of the zillions and zillions of weddings we've been having over the last couple of months here at HDC. Now, any prophetic thing that comes, the Bible tells us you need to test it against Scripture. Uh, indeed, the only place that we can be 100% sure we're hearing the very words of God is in here, the Bible. Nonetheless, prophecy clearly exists today, and what she emailed seemed to fit with what I'm saying, where we're at at a church, seemed to be for our, our encouragement and our comfort, so I thought I would share it this morning. She said that as she was sitting here um, for this wedding, in the wedding, uh, she felt God gave her a picture. She felt God gave her a picture of a desert scene, which surprised her. Sort of a desert doesn't sound that encouraging, does it? Uh, but then she saw a well, and she saw a well uh, with its wooden cover off, and there was water gently sort of gushing up out of the well. She said it wasn't a fountain yet, and she instinctively wanted it to be a fountain, but she said the water was starting to flow again. And then she said this, and I'm quoting her here. She said, I'm reminded of Isaac in Genesis uncapping Abraham's wells. And she says, I believe that, when, that what Wilberforce and his friends started here at HDC with their prayers for God to move in our land are what God is starting to do again now at HDC. That the water is bubbling up again in this desert that is South London. And then she wrote, she wrote, I know we are all praying for a revival. Now what we see in Jonah's time in Nineveh is a revival. And we long for a revival here in London as people turn to Jesus. And so we get excited. We marvel at God's vision for this great city, including through this church. So that's the first reason why to give. And then just to summarize the second reason, why give? Because we're grateful for God's grace. And to summarize that, I just wanted to share one verse of the Bible, and that is Colossians 1 verse 6. Our vision, as many of you will know, is to see every life bearing fruit for Jesus. And Colossians 1 verse 6 says this. Paul writes it and he says, you'll see it there on the screen, he says, the gospel is bearing fruit and it is growing throughout the whole world, 
just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. And then just look at the end of the sentence. I'd never spotted this before, but how does the verse finish? It says, the gospel's bearing fruit, growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You see, as we, as a church, as we look to bear fruit for Jesus, as we in our own lives look to bear fruit for Jesus, may we be those who truly understand and are grateful for God's amazing grace because all giving is in response to God's grace, all that he has first given us. So without further ado, what I'd love to encourage you is to head to visionsunday.org on your phones or use the um, QR code that's up there on the screen or on your pews, uh, and I'll just explain uh, things in a moment. I'd love you all to grab your phones if you've got them and just head to visionsunday.org, and you will see a screen that looks something like that on your phones. And just before we press the give button that we're just going to think a little bit about uh, today, as I said, we looked at the other three buttons last time, let me just answer... um, about our giving, how do we go about giving? I've been saying, why give? Why give? We marvel at God's vision. Uh, We're grateful for God's grace. But what about how we give? Um, I think the Bible, very simply, gives us two Gs of how to give. Firstly, give generously. So the Bible says uh, a suggestion for giving is 10% of your income, tithing. Now, for some, it's a real struggle to give that much. For others, it's not even noticeable. Uh, For us as a family, we give around 10% of our income away, and the lion's share of that amount we give to HTC rather than other charities, because there's a big pool of people who give to big charities, but only people coming here, you, uh, are going to give to this church. And so for Susanna and me this year, we are upping our monthly amount that we give to our regular church giving. William Wilberforce himself, uh, when he was part of this congregation, he decided to give away a third of his income, 33%. So when somebody asks, how much should I give? I don't think there is a set answer, but every bit of giving that we give is important. Uh, Some can give more, some can give less. That is okay. Please don't feel guilty if you can't give loads. But I would say this. If you do not notice how much you're giving, then you probably should be giving more. You know, if the money just slips out of your bank account and you don't really notice it, if it doesn't make much difference to us, then we probably should be giving more. So give generously. And then the second G, give gladly. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians which says, God loves literally a hilarious giver. So if you can't give with a smile on your face, don't give at all. Don't be moaning and groaning about it like Jonah, okay? So giving generously, it is a challenge. It means we need to operate at a lower standard of living than we would otherwise. But giving generously, it is also a joy because we can never outgive God. So give generously, give gladly. Giving generously, it is the antidote to greed. It it breaks the grip that the love of money can have on us. And I often say, you'll have heard me say this before if you've uh, been here for a few years, uh, that our giving ultimately, it's not just sort of a a pragmatic response to an appeal. It's not so much the calculated thriftiness of an accountant, as lovely as you accountants are who are here, but it is almost the exuberant extravagance of a lover. God loves a cheerful giver. So, would you now, and it's going to come up on the screen as well to help us, um, if you press the Give button on the visionsunday.org page, uh, you will be taken to the giving page of our website. And on it, as you scroll down, you will see two buttons um, that say uh, Give Now and Pledge Now. Give Now and Pledge Now. And you may be asking, there's two buttons there, which one do I press? Um, Let me tell you. If you're sitting here today 
and you already give by standing order to the church, as many here do, uh, then you want to press the second button, pledge now. And if you press the second button, pledge now, you'll go to a simple form, which we'll see coming up on the screen there. Um, and I'm going to fill this one in because this one is relevant to me, so I'm going to fill it in now. Um, and the pledge now form, you'll see that it's so simple. You just stick in your name and your email. And then you put your pledge amount, however much you want to give. Um, probably most of us who are doing it, it'll probably be every month, but up to you. Um, and uh, then there's a last button there. Are you already a regular giver? And for me, I'm going to be ticking the first one. Yes, I'm amending my giving to HTC. Um, Lots of you, you'll be that form's the right form for you. Uh, you can fill it in now. Please remember, even if you're keeping your giving exactly the same, if you're just saying, I want to keep my giving at exactly the same level it is, we'd still love you to fill that form in. It'll be really helpful for our budgeting. And you just, on the bottom question, you just tick the middle box, which says, yes, I'm keeping my giving to HTC the same. However, if you're a new giver, if you don't currently give to HTC, um, you might be saying, what do I do? Well, you've got a choice. Uh, if you're new to giving to HTC, either you can fill in exactly that form here, and obviously with this pledge form, what we're doing is we're filling this form in, and then what we need to do is set up or amend our standing order with our own bank. So we need to go probably to our online banking facility and uh, set that up. So I'm going to be doing that tonight. Um, we're going to be setting, to amending our standing order. But if you're new to, um, to giving, you can either fill in that form, or you can go back to the main giving page. If you head back to the main giving page, you can also press instead give now if you don't want to have to bother going separately later uh, to your bank, to your online banking facilities. And instead, you can go to that give now page, which is now up on the screen. And this is our online banking system. And there, you can give right now uh, without having to do anything else. You can put in the amount. You've got the fund. It says giving or revitalize 250. Uh, probably giving for the moment, just the regular one. Uh, but do give to revitalize 252, please, as well. Um, at frequency, you can do it one off or most likely monthly. Choose a day of the, um, of the month that you want to give that your money to come out of. Um, and then um, you can do it one off if you prefer. And then you choose with the method, either card or direct debit, whether you want to pay through, pay through a card transaction or set up a direct debit. And then click the gift aid declaration, fill in your email address, fill in, if you've not done it before, your card account details, and you are done. If you would prefer neither of those methods, and you like paper, uh, and you would like a paper pledge form, uh, there are people at the back, I believe. Uh, where are they? Paper, people at the back with the pledge forms? Uh, who's the people with the pledge forms? They're just coming running now. Um, and if you would like a paper form, uh, of the pledge form to fill in, uh, then they are coming around right now with paper and pens. So just wave your hand if you prefer a paper and pens. But I'm just going to give um, just two minutes for people to just fill in whichever form is relevant to them, uh, just for two minutes, just have a bit of music going. Uh, let's just take a moment for everyone to fill those in. Uh, if you need time to pray about it, please um, wait and then do it in a bit. Um, but remember, for this general church giving, we're praying it will go up by 10% to £945,000 for 2022. And if you haven't given to Revitalize 250, there's a separate link for that, and you can find out all about that. So let's just take a minute or so now with music on, just to fill in the forms if we want, before we have our final song. Go for it. 